everybody. It's Mark. Thanks for joining me today. If you've been following for a little while or if you've read on my blogs, these podcasts have become a bit of a challenge for me. I enjoy very much making them as well as the time in front of the microphone, but it's hard to keep up the pace of putting these out every few weeks because of how many guests it requires that I get on the show and the time that it takes to book all of those guests is not really in line with a retirement attitude. And when I was in the stores, it was much easier as well because people were coming in and out all the time and there were uh, people to ask. And, and obviously now working from home, there's a lot less opportunity for that. And so it has been a little bit of a struggle for me to keep up the pace. And it's been frustrating because as I said before, I do enjoy doing them. And so I started thinking, what kind of format could I put together, which would be easier to make, perhaps provide for quicker turnarounds uh, when it comes to producing these, as well as uh, not necessarily uh, require me to bring on a guest for each show because that's really been a very big problem. And so my solution to that was actually to uh, try a new format, which I'm going to show you today, but it was essentially to find somebody who would be a, a permanent guest. And and in fact, you're going to meet my friend Steve Rice in just a moment. He's a, like me, he's a paint geek. He's from Michigan, very similar careers. He's a reader who reached out uh, not that long ago and a friendship sprouted from his reaching out. And, and the next thing you know, we were talking about how to make podcasts together. We made an episode. We enjoyed it. You might recall he was my guest on the episode that I did about NACE certification. And we enjoyed the process, and so we've made a little test for you all here. We're going to do three episodes and put them out and see what you guys think. What I like about this format is a few things. The episodes themselves are going to be different. Instead of one 20- or 30-minute episode of, of just one topic, we're actually going to put together little three- to eight-minute snippets of topics, and we're going to be selecting those based on uh, what I'm hearing from the people that are reaching out to me. So the paint dealers that are reaching out, the industry executives or just readers that reach out and ask questions or want to uh, talk about any particular content or topic. And so each episode that you hear is actually going to be three little sub-episodes of a few-minute conversation each. And like I said, that's all going to come from you. It's obviously going to be uh, very paint dealer-centric. And so a lot of the topics that we're going to be covering, obviously the majority of the topics uh, that we're going to be uh, covering have to do with being a paint dealer. But we want to expand that a little bit, move away from just inventory and hiring and team meetings and other operational tips. And we want to spend a little time about just paint dealer life in general. And so I think you're going to see me a little bit more willing to bring in some of my personal life in here, uh, which I have not. Uh, done up until this point. I've mostly kept that in my blog. And so you may hear me tell a few stories about my daughter, my fiance. I get a lot of questions about the history of Tremont Paint. And so we may uh, record a little bit of that. And of course, on everybody's mind is always hashtag Dan. And so let's see what you guys want to know. And, and that's what you're going to see in future episodes. And so we're calling this the Paint Geeks because that's that's what we are. One thing that you might notice is we don't record these episodes all in one day, as I used to do, just sit down and, and record an episode start to finish. We we do these when we have time or we're having an interesting conversation and we, we hit the record button. And so what you may find is if you're in the about 30 percent 
of my followers who are watching these episodes as videos rather than listening to them. Uh, you're going to find that I don't always have the same hat on. I don't always have the same shirt on. The lighting may uh, change because we're not recording these at the same time and on, on the same day. Uh, so we're, sometimes you may get two pieces that are uh, clipped together into one episode, but they might have been separated by a week while we recorded them. And so uh, that's one difference uh, that you'll see. But I, I think you're going to like the shorter topic uh, format. I've been impressed with the quality of the conversations that we've been able to have in three to five minutes, eight minutes. And by putting these together in this way, I actually think we've created some really engaging content that will also really help paint retailers as they go about the business of running their operations and living the paint dealer life. And so, as always, let me know what you think about this episode. Brian, put my cell phone, put my email address up there. Let me know what topics you'd like us to cover. We have about three or four episodes queued up here, but there's uh, lots more on our mind and lots more that we'd like to talk about. And so reach out and let me know. In the meantime, here's the Paint Geeks. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. It's Mark. Today, we have a new format. I'm here with my friend, Steve Rice. Steve, how are you today? You're doing fantastic, Mark. It's exciting to be a part of this with you. I think when we connected, as you said, we kind of hit it off right away. Two kind of kindred souls, a couple of old salty paint dogs and uh, baseball It started with Nace, right? And that's a certain type of paint guy or gal, right? That's the Nace people are different. Yeah very much paint geeks as you say and um so looking forward to to doing this uh format and seeing how it goes i think we can uh, add some value to people our listeners you and i have committed to making a handful of episodes and i'm going to put them up on my regular channel and and we're going to see if other paint geeks are interested in joining us so why don't we just jump in seems like as a paint dealer who's very paint focused there's other areas of diversification that a dealer can use to expand their business um, i wonder if you had any thoughts on that the dealers that i work with i like to tell them that the right number is somewhere around 70 percent mm-hmm. if your paint sales are more than 70 percent of your total volume you're probably not diversified enough you're probably at risk to at least if the economy for paint changes you could be hurt badly. Diversification used to be a topic, Steve, that I got a lot of trouble for writing about because 25 and 30 years ago, diversification to me as an independent paint retailer meant that I should have more than one paint brand in my store. And so that conversation about diversification pissed some people off because they felt like maybe I generated a little bit of a reputation for being almost anti-Benjamin Moore. But the strategy I felt at the time was sound is that diversification keeps your business safe. And that strategically, which is above your relationship with any vendor, your strategic right. needs. Strategically, it's important for dealers to be diversified. And so now, fast forward, it's 2023. If you're an independent paint retailer and you're serious at all about your paint sales, you need to be a Benjamin Moore retailer, right? There's nobody else mm-hmm. who's taking the category seriously. Diversification in that way is not really possible. And so all of a sudden, you find your, your business stuck in whatever trends other Benjamin Moore retailers or even the manufacturer finds themselves going through at any one time. And and there's some risk associated with that. 
And so diversification now means getting out of just selling paint. And so how can they diversify if there's no paint brands left? How can a retailer diversify what they offer? Well, you should be thinking about offering everything you can to the customers that are already shopping your stores for paint or other things that you sell. And so window treatments are part of a diversification process. If you're like most Benjamin Moore retailers, you do a big portion of your business with uh, professional residential uh, painters. You should be selling spray equipment. You should be repairing spray equipment if that's an option, right? You should be reaching out beyond the can of paint is what diversification means now. And so I know a lot of paint retailers that are also selling a lot of flooring. I'm not saying go out and add flooring, right? But the idea is the same, right? How many places can you touch the people that are walking into your stores spending money in some way as a consumer, as in a home repair or home building process? And so wallpaper and, you know, every dealer now should have all of those things, including specialty paints as well. Even specialty coatings would be considered diversification as well. And I know a lot of paint stores that have taken on full hardware lines over the last couple of years, particularly since the uh, pandemic. And so each segment that you can profitably add adds more legs to your stool, right? Exactly. And a, and a two-legged stool is hard to balance. Three-legged stool starts to get easy four and five, you start to get stability. Yeah. And so yeah. if wallpaper's down, paint's up, and so you're okay. Well, you know, you're referring to even diversifying with some of the specialty coating. And when I worked at a, at a dealership, I always kind of prided myself and ourselves on being able to handle the coatings that other dealers didn't want to handle. So, That's diversification. You know, we, always, we always did a deep dive into just even like deck stains. All the big boxes have those, but they don't really know what they're doing. You know, they put a 10-year warranty on the label and the and the poor clerk sinks that will last 10 years on a deck in Michigan. Right. Um, um, and then, you know, like um, swimming pool paints. We sold swimming pool paint. And people just like with floor coatings were afraid to sell that because of the risk of failure. But like coatings, if you do that right, you do the prep right, you do the application right, the paint's going to do what the paint's engineered to do. So we would do that and then uh, lead block coatings and, you know, just to become the expert in, in all fields of coating. And, you know, we sold some uh, lead, lead block paint to our local city and, and uh, got into doing business with them that way. And it's interesting because some dealers have asked me before, well, just expanding the amount of paint you sell, paint products, why is that diversification? It's just more paint. But the products that you and I are talking about now, like the specialty coatings that uh, we mm -hmm. sometimes talk about that you're installing with this guy you're working for now, or some of the pool paints or lead block or some of the other ones that yeah. you just mentioned now in this conversation, the economies for those products travel in different waves than the economies for architectural coatings. Mm -hmm. And so it's yeah. possible for architectural coatings to be up and nobody's buying industrial floor paints or vice yeah. versa. And so by getting into a different market segment in some way, that's how you spread out the risk yeah. uh, of your business, yeah. right? That's mm -hmm. how you add legs to your stool. And that's what okay. we're talking about. So even if your answer is more coatings, even if you, what you're saying 
is I want to be coatings. I don't want to sell wallpaper. I don't want to sell flooring. I don't want to do any of that. I want to be coatings. Well, then you should be thinking about automotive coatings. You should be thinking about mm-hmm. uh, lead barrier. You should make sure that you should be the only store that has the most specialty uh, graffiti blockers and stuff like that. The vision mm-hmm. for the dealer is anything you want, but you still have to diversify once you get sort of down below the vision of yourself and, and what kind of store you want to be. We story sometimes about Guy and Miranda. Um, what do they think about you talking uh, out of school on? You know, there's there's rules uh, about sort of what I can publish and what I don't publish. The problem comes that I don't follow them. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, we have that conflict. And for sure, what's interesting is that Guy and Miranda have sort of different uh, tolerance levels. Miranda is basically her father's daughter, right? And so I could mm-hmm. tell you the story of Miranda's life right now. And she's in on the joke, you know, she's, she's all for it. <laughs> Guy is, you know, very private. And so I have to be a little bit more uh, careful, but you know, one thing I, I, I get that a lot. People ask me that a lot. Like, are, are they in on the joke? And mm-hmm. listen, you know, these, these two are the most important people in my life. So of course they're in on the joke. So I'll tell you how I, you know, sort of play that because, you know, some of this that I'm projecting of Miranda and how I project Miranda and, and Guy, you know, mm-hmm. some of that is through what I tried it, what I hope people are reading is comedy, right? And so yeah. I, I don't know if you remember a blog from a couple months ago, Miranda showed up one day, she called me like one night, I think it was right before July 4th. And she calls me and she's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Stanford tomorrow. Can I borrow the car? And so I was like, sure, no problem. And so mm-hmm. uh pick her up mm-hmm. the train, she jumps in and we start talking and she tells me what her plans are. And I said, well, what do you need the car for then? And she says, well, she's going to drive it down to the Jersey Shore. And I said, well, when you when are you coming back? And she's like, I'll be back in five days or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you borrow the car? <laughs> what the fuck was I supposed to do for five days? And so that was the joke, right? And I yeah. wrote about that. And, and the punchline of that joke was... Uh, uh, the number of steps that I was taking on my like Apple health map or something. Cause I did yeah, like oh, whatever, yeah. tw- 25,000 steps. Right. And that's all true. Here's the joke is that of course I couldn't give my daughter my car for five days, right? I'm taking care of my yeah. mother. I'm living my life. And so uh-huh. I put her into a very expensive Uber, which uh-huh. she was right. Grateful. I didn't make her pay for it. And yeah. you know, so I, I had the car sitting here and. It just so happened that a uh, guy was taking care of her family. My daughter was out of town. And so I woke up a couple mornings and said, you know what? I'm going to go for a nice long walk today. Yeah. And yeah. and so you put it all together. I'm just trying to put it all together funny. But, you know, yeah, yeah that's my, my life with those two is a bit, you know, is a bit crazy. You know, you're always yeah. laughing when Miranda's around. That's for sure. Yeah.